Hi, welcome to the Four Teachers podcast. Michaela here with you. Last week, James from ArchD and CESA's gifted education advisor, Dr. Rebecca Napier, spent the day in conversation with gifted ed teachers from all around Catholic schools in Adelaide about their experiences in this area, their journey and what they've learned along the way. There was so much great stuff that we've released these as an entire series of podcasts. Check out the show notes for links to all of the episodes. very much for joining us here on the podcast today. It's great to have you here. You're welcome. I'm very excited. Thank you for having me. Now, um, in your story of uh, working with uh, students in gifted education, where does the story begin with you? Where does the connection start? Well, the connection starts um, with me being in school and um, being identified as being gifted and talented. And having that feeling when you had a teacher who was very invested in you and just how great that felt and having all those challenges. And then on the other side of that, having those teachers who didn't extend you and the difficulty with that. So that's sort of where um, my love for gifted and talented education comes from. Was there a particular moment that you can remember very, very early on? Was there a particular moment that you can remember that stands out to you? Uh, it's always like the negative ones that you remember, right? So okay, yeah. I, I remember, That's tricky. Yeah, I remember being in science class and I loved science. And I remember like I was asking all these questions and like I thought the teacher was like, yes, she's engaged, she loves it, awesome. And then the next day the teacher had written on the board, Campbell only gets to ask one question. Oh, no. <laughs> wow. And I was like, oh, I'm never going to do that to anybody. And how old were you when this happened? Uh, I was 14. Okay. Okay. So this was something that you started to become aware of and, and other teachers became aware of for you a bit, I guess what you call a bit later. This wasn't early. This was something that was happening for you in high school. Yes. Yes. Okay. Which is tricky, but my connection now with gifted and talented is that I'm a year one teacher. Yeah, right. So I've got the kids right when you can see the difference in the kids that are um, gifted in like sort of smaller ways like they can do things easier they pick things up easier they're more um they're more assertive about wanting to tell you that they can do stuff you know like that they're not trying to hide it they're excited they think it's awesome that they get all this stuff so i'm curious to know like for you are you able to sort of like see patterns that were developing back when you were that age and you sort of thought oh this is the sort of things i'm thinking about the sort of things i'm experiencing are you seeing that happen it's almost like kind of like reliving it through them and you're going hang on a second I can see something I relate to here. Yeah, um, it's it's really funny that you say that because I remember um, teaching something and I was halfway through doing it and one of the girls just went, oh yeah, like halfway through. And I was like, oh, I, I used to do that. Like, right. and then that, that like, was at, yeah, that was at the beginning of last year. Um, and then I was thinking to myself, I was like, wow, like this, this kid is, is really gifted. And then, you know, giving her more difficult and difficult things and her just being like thriving off it and just being so excited about learning. And yeah, I just, I, I love encouraging for kids to be excited about their learning. And because I think it's, it's really important because learning is such a lifelong thing that especially when they're that young, you don't want to make a kid tired of it or bored of it. You really want to encourage it as much as you can. Absolutely. 
So what do you think gifted students need the most? It sounds like you like to encourage that thirst for learning, which is wonderful. What else do you think they need? Um, I think something that's really important for them um, is to have um, an ESO or a teacher who knows them really well so that the tasks that they're getting that extend them really relate to who they are and what they're Mm. interested in. Because at that age, even if you're extending a gifted kid with the best of intentions, if you give them something that they're not interested in, they're not going to do it to its full potential. So I think something that they need is to have a teacher who's really invested in giving them tasks that they can be extended with that they're interested in and I think it's really good for them also to have a support group so have gifted kids in groups together so that they can support each other which sometimes as a teacher is tricky because you have all these assertive kids who are like you know like really excited and wanting to really have a go at everything and you're like okay like that's great but you know, <laughs> a standout group in its own way yeah. in classroom yeah so I've got um yeah I've, I've got a group that is really standout and just wants to be the first at everything and that's it's it's really awesome like watching them grow together over right. the last year to, to be gifted, that, that term, the inverted commas, to be gifted, mm-hmm. is something that um, in society has a, a certain perception around it, probably, you know, related to the fact that most people don't experience, like, true gifted students and, and, and people in their own lives. Um, what do you think the perception of being gifted out in society is like, and, and how accurate is that for you? See, that's really tricky because of the way that media is um I was talking to one of my friends who's not a teacher and um and I said oh yeah you know I've got this girl in my class she's really gifted and they said oh so she has autism and I was like and I was like no (laughs) that's not that's not what that means Mm. um so I think there is a lot of misinformation out there that kids can you know be gifted in different elements in different ways and that, you know, it, it's it's unfortunate that the media has put forward this thing of people who are gifted um, sort of have to fit into a certain group. Yeah. And, yeah. So how, how diverse is that is that group then? Um, I do, yeah, I, I see what you mean. Like there are kids who are really gifted um, at maths and at numbers mm-hmm. and like that is their thing. And they're in love with that. Um, And then there are kids who have that inquiry mind of asking questions and wanting to get the answers to questions. And then there are kids who are gifted, um, like they love to build things, they love to make things. And then there are kids who are gifted in literacy and they just catch on to everything that you teach so quickly um and then you know there are um I think the misconception that people have is that um there is in the um autism AS community there is that um knowledge that they have like a focus interest Mm -hmm. and they're really like invested in that interest and that that's all they want to talk about and Mm -hmm. and quite often um because I've got some kids who um, have autism spectrum in my class as well, and they are like they do, they are like gifted in that particular area. But you don't have to have autism to be mm. gifted. 
Um, and so, I think that's... Yeah, yeah, Little Rabbit Trail. There are a lot of misconceptions out there. And I think probably the most famous TV character who has giftedness is Sheldon from The Big Bang. Yes. Interestingly enough, the writers who wrote his actual script just view him as gifted, but he views himself as gifted with autism. So even in our most famous TV character that people often think of as gifted, Mm. there's confusion even amongst the writers and the cast. What does that look like? Yeah, it's, um, I think a lot of um, students who are gifted have that assertiveness of like, I know what I'm doing. It's cool. Like I can do this by myself. I'm independent. And I think sometimes um, that can sort of be confused with people who don't have um, a full knowledge of gifted students and of autism spectrum. Yeah. Sort of intertwining those two. Tell me in a way when your school is working with gifted students and is doing it really well, is there any one particular thing that the school does over the years that um, you think is really emblematic of this is how we do really good best practice with gifted students at St. Gabriel's? Yeah. um, So we have um, a very supportive leadership team Um, and we also have a very good system um, with our ESOs of being able to get support for students who need that support and give targeted support Um, and a lot of that is left up to like the 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 teachers to say like you know here's your ESO Mm -hmm. and you choose how you want to use this ESO which is really great because sometimes you know you want to use the ESO on the children who are struggling and sometimes you want them to do a specific project where they're supporting a student who's gifted Um, but we've also started our tournament of minds program Mm -hmm. which is really awesome Um, it's an after school program and a lunch program um, Can where you students, Campbell, yeah, what that oh, is, yeah, <laughs> um, where students work in teams to solve a really open-ended challenge. Mm. So one of the challenges that um, this group of girls that we've got—they've called themselves Girl Power—and they um, are working on this amazing challenge about rebooting classic literature. Um, right. Sort of in the way that The Lion King is a reboot of Macbeth, uh-huh. and so they've, they're ta- they're taking Alice in Wonderland and they're rebooting it for a modern concept. Um, and you know, it's so interesting because, like, as an adult, I read that challenge and I was like, "Oh my gosh, <laughs> that's really hard. <laughs> that's yeah. going to be tricky." And then I've I've got this group um, of these you know girls who are amazing, and they got it, and they were not worried at all. They were like, "All right, we're going to do this. We're going to do this, and this, and this character's going to do." this and I was just like okay great so um the good thing about the tournament of minds is that um teacher involvement is very limited um you're really just there to facilitate the room and to supervise Mm -hmm. um and it is really just completely up to the kids like you're really not even supposed to help them come up with any solutions like it's just they are on their own you have to sit on your hands and watch some amazing work but you can't jump in yeah Yeah. and that's really challenging on its own because you want to like be there and you want to give support and like they they come up with ideas and they're chatting and you're like yeah you you could do this (laughs) yeah you know you're just sort of sitting there like okay i'm just gonna read this book and i'm just gonna (laughs) be here (laughs) Okay, Campbell, so I'd like you to think about just more big picture in terms of teacher qualities and teacher traits. So what do you think 
the qualities of a gifted education teacher would need to be if they were going to really connect with these students? What what qualities do teachers need to really connect? Um, I think someone who is open-minded and really has a firm grasp on all areas of the curriculum um, so that they can extend the students in their class into all sorts of different areas. Um, because, you know, with, with gifted students, they usually have um, an area that they are particularly gifted in and then they have other areas that they're really good at like you know a level and then they have those areas where they're functioning like a couple of years ahead Um, and so if you have a teacher who has a really firm grasp of the curriculum they can encourage that learning through all of the different curriculum areas Um, I also think it's really important to have a teacher who has good interpersonal skills Mm -hmm. relationships Um, yeah I think relationships is probably the most important part of teaching right so I want you to think about the future of gifted education I know that you're thinking in terms probably of your classroom so you could be talking about classroom practice or you could be thinking about in broader terms of your school or here in the sector or in the country what do you see some emerging trends or things that you think might be popping up in gifted education over the next number of years or decade? Um, I think that there is, um, I think that there is sort of more understanding going on with with gifted education. For example, this year was um, the first year that I heard of gifted education week that we were talking about earlier. Mm. Um, I wasn't even aware that there was a gifted education week. So I think that um, in in a way that it's happening in a lot of education, but particularly in gifted education, there is a lot more understanding and a lot more information getting out there, which I think is is really great because I think more and more students are becoming identified as gifted because there is more knowledge and more um, PR happening in that field. Mm, so a lot more awareness, it sounds like. Yes. A lot more opportunities. Okay, so I know you're fairly new into the profession, but I think you've got a lot to offer. So I'd like you to flash back. We've just talked about the future. Think back to when you were very first starting, your first connections with gifted students, with you as the teacher. I know we've talked about you as a gifted individual, but thinking about you as a teacher, if you could go back to that first day when you realized that you had a gifted student that you were working with, what advice would you give yourself? Wow. (laughs) You know, sometimes I wish that I could do over that first little bit. So it, it's really mm. it's really interesting to have that question. I think it's really important, especially in the early years, um, to scaffold so much of their extra project learning. Um, because from my understanding of the gifted education course that I did at uni, it was all about, you know, challenge them, you know, just bring it up a level, really give them lots to do. And so I did that. And then I found that kids were losing some confidence in themselves because they were being so overly challenged that they were really struggling Mm, and they felt like they weren't successful. Yeah. Pitched it too high. So I think it's really important to really scaffold tasks um, and really have a lot of information that they can access so that if they're doing an open-ended task and they're really unsure of what they're doing they can go back and check 
So something that I do is I record the explanations for the tasks on an iPad and then they can go back and re-watch the video of me explaining the task so that then if they, even if they come in the next day and they're a bit unsure of what to do, they don't need to come and approach me. Of course, you know, they always can, but they can go back independently and watch the video and really sort of find their own meaning in the task through watching that and sometimes they come up with amazing things that I wonder if they would have come up with that if I had have explained it you know through my lens but because they watched this thing they suddenly just have all these new ideas. For the other conversations in this Gifted Education Teachers series, you can find the links in the show notes in this episode. The Four Teachers podcast is produced by James Meston and me, Michaela Howard-Jones, for ArchD Radio and Podcasting. Be sure to check out the other shows on this channel for great content about teachers, by teachers, for teachers.